This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we are based here in the UK, all times are in BST. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 18th to the 24th of September. I'm Features Editor Ezzy Pearson and I'm joined today by Reviews Editor Paul Money. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ezzy. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Can you tell me and our listeners what we have to look forward to in the next week? Well, we start off in the evening sky, but the thing about this is that it's actually in the bright twilight. So you must make sure the sunset. In fact, if you look about 30 Mm. minutes after sunset on September the 18th, we're looking towards the west-southwest. See if you can pick out a really slim crescent moon. It's not the slimmest you can get, but it's always quite a pretty sight when it's low down and you've got the earth shine on it as well sort of thing and you it's it's setting quite quickly after the sun so it's one of those things because of the ecliptic sort of thing. it's a case of grabbing it when you can but it's quite a pretty sight so i thought we'd start off with the crescent moon really low down so uh, yeah well i'm looking at about 7:40 but times do vary of course depending on where you are in the uk but uh, so there we are a nice evening one but it is in bright twilight so I have to bear that in mind. Right, now, on to the 20th. Well, we had the opposition of Saturn the other month. Well, now we've got, on the 20th, Neptune reaches oppositions, opposition, which means it's visible all night. It rises as the sun sets and sets as the sun rises. So effectively, it's visible throughout the hours of darkness. It is magnitude 7.8. But uh, And it also lies below the circlet of Pisces, so that gives you a general area where to look. But in actual fact, we're quite lucky at the moment, because it's also quite close to the star 20 Piscium. So that's about magnitude 5.5, so it's almost two full magnitudes brighter than Neptune. Because it's quite close, you can, if you use Temper 50 binoculars and put them on 20 Piscium, the object, the dot, just to the upper right of uh, the star is actually Neptune. And it's quite close. And it stays like that for a few months in actual fact. So it's quite a handy guide to find in Neptune. So yeah, use Temper 50 binoculars and pick out the planet Neptune. It isn't naked eye. It's round about magnitude 7.8. But, you know, it doesn't take a lot of optical um, sort of like telescopes or binoculars to pick it out. So I say you could even try um, sort of like 7 by 40 binoculars to see if you can see it. Be interested to know what's the smallest pair of binoculars that you can actually pick it out. But uh, it does look blue in small telescopes. I've always noticed that, just a, a very pale blue. So, and of course, planets are quite steady. They're, they're a disc technically. So stars tend to sort of twinkle a little bit. 
because of the atmospheric scintillation, but the planets mm. being a disk can actually look steady. So often that's a clue. If you're looking at something and you think, is it a star? Hang on, it's quite steady. That means it's the planet. So there we are, the opposition of Neptune on the 20th. I, I remember when I was doing my, my degree, we were always taught that planets don't twinkle. And they do sometimes uh, if the atmosphere is particularly unsteady. Yes, I've seen that myself. Yeah. <laughs> There's always exceptions, isn't there? <laughs> it, it's, it is probably one of those situations where if, if the planets don't look terribly steady, it's probably not the best day to be doing astronomy. I mean, you can always see something, but unless it's completely overcast, you can always see something. Um, it's always worth persevering, I think. Well, the good news is we don't have to stop there on the 20th because the 20th to the 21st, we're back to the moon. Now, we're always fascinated with the moon. Well, it goes round us. It's our nearest celestial body and it's forever changing. So it's always going to hold our attention. And it's a thicker crescent now. And on the 20th and 21st, it lies either side of the red you know, supergiant star, Antares in Scorpius. So on the 20th, it's to the right, and it's nearly level, actually, with the star. If you're looking towards the southwest, obviously the moon will be the guide. <laughs> if you can't find the moon, um, worry. Um, although you might have, but like me, I don't have a very good horizon all around. So I've got, you know, mm. housing estate and industrial estate as well. So, you know, they, 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 it's a shame because they stop me seeing things rise and set at the moment. Because yeah. I, I can remember when we first moved here, it was a completely clear eastern horizon. We had just fields and it was gorgeous watching the moon rise, which I'd never been had to do. I, I couldn't do that when uh, I lived at my original home. So, of course, you know, it was great. And then, of course, they built the industrial estate and put a big, big bank up to hide it. So I, I miss that. I do miss mm. that sort of thing. If we ever moved, I, I want to make sure if we ever moved, we definitely have a nice, clear horizon all around us. <laughs> I think the only way you can ever sort of make sure of that permanently is if you're out looking over the sea or the ocean. Um, they're probably not going to build much on the sea. But that is one thing that I think people sometimes forget about when you're looking for an observing site, is it's not just is directly overhead lovely and wonderful and clear. It's also can you see these horizons? Can you see these things rising up in the night sky? Because there are some absolutely wonderful events and you just need to be able to see the horizon to be able to see them. Exactly. Of course, sort of then the ecliptic is quite low down, so it runs from Scorpius to Sagittarius, and that's why the moon uh, lingers a lot. It actually helps the farmers, of course, sort of this time of year, because the moon you know, rises a similar time each successive night when we're dealing with the autumn, the early autumn in particular. So uh, that's why there's always light for the farmers, which is good for them. So, yeah, I reckon I look about eight o'clock towards the, the southwest uh, for the moon. But you won't be able to miss the moon. But I say on the 21st, it'll be to the left of Antares. So on the 20th, it's just slightly below a level line with Antares at 8 o'clock. And on the 21st, it's just slightly above that line. So it's very subtle, I have to say. Now, well, we've got to do it. We've got to go back to the morning sky. Now we're talking about the 22nd. Now, on the 22nd, about, say, 5.45 in the morning, get Mercury. We've got a great advantage that Venus is, always, is also up. <laughs> it, it dominates. I mean, Venus dominates the morning sky at the mm. moment. It is so bright. But this is Mercury's best 
apparition in the morning sky this year. So it gets quite steep because as the ecliptic is low down at a shallow angle in the evening sky, it's actually quite steep in the morning sky because we're seeing the spring constellations coming to view. And one of them in this particular case is Leo. Uh, Regulus is there above Mercury as well. So Mercury reaches greatest western elongation. So that's 18 degrees from the sun. Now that's it. It will start to drop back. But because this ecliptic is quite steep, we've got the advantage. The sky gets darker quicker, twilight appears shorter, and so therefore it doesn't linger and you get a chance to see Mercury uh, for a lot longer. It's still in twilight skies, but you get a chance to see it a good hour to an hour and a half before the sun rises. And that, that is pretty good for us. And say so we've got the added bonus of Venus. If you spot Venus, look to the lower left and you should see Mercury as well. So uh, this is the best one in the morning. So if you like morning walks, you know, early morning walks, mm. sort of thing, twilight, if you have to get up early in the morning to go to work, sort of thing, look towards the east and you've got both inferior planets, Mercury and Venus, to have a look at. It does certainly sound better because I think there were some earlier kind of apparitions in the year where it was, oh, you can see it for about 10 minutes. That's what you've got. That's your window of when it'll be dark enough to see it and, and it's going to disappear out of the, below the horizon. So having a full hour, hour and a half is absolutely fantastic, which is obviously because greatest elongation is when the angular separation between the planet, one of the inner planets, I should say, and the sun is greatest. It's not actually, I always used to think it was when the, the planet was at a 90 degree angle. So you get Venus or Mars, the sun in the corner, and then Earth at the other end, making a right angle. But actually, it's when it's more at sort of a 45 degree angle, something about that, which is all to do with perspective as you're looking in through yeah. the solar system. Um, but it, it is when on the, it will have the biggest separation, which means it will be up in the sky the longest after the sun has set, which is why it's always a great opportunity to look at these inner planets, which are a bit trickier to get. Yes, and it's interesting that the morning apparitions for Mercury are best in the autumn time and the evening best apparitions are always spring. So I always think March, April time, sometimes creeping into May for the evening apparitions for Mercury, which are really good. Um, and the evening ones in the, in the uh, sort of like uh, springtime, they always coincide with the wonderful star cluster Messier 45 sort of thing. But you don't get that in the morning for Mercury when it's at its apparition. It's always going to be against the spring constellations. And in this case, Regulus, as I say, is to the upper. Uh, Regulus is not quite on a line with Mercury, Venus and Venus. It's sort of slightly forming a bit of a shallow triangle. It's the apex of a shallow triangle. But it will be prominent. You will be able to see it as well. So don't, don't confuse Regulus with Mercury, although Mercury will be a lot brighter than Regulus at that stage. Now, the next morning, well, the next day, is the autumn equinox. So we reach that point. That it's always traditional when we say, oh, it's equal day, equal night. There's a lot more to it, and I won't go into that at this <laughs> stage. But 
the nights will start to become longer from now on. And so, of course, we rejoice, we astronomers. <laughs> I think we should have a national holiday for astronomers that night, <laughs> that day, so that uh, we can actually stay out all night and enjoy the long, the fact that it's going to get longer nights from now on. Well, basically, you know, the, but now that the nights are, are getting longer, um, you know, it's one of those things that uh, when we got to this time of year sort of thing, I, I would, I would be excited and whatnot and say, Oh, good. The nights are drawing in and whatnot. And my work colleagues were like, you miserable devil sort of thing. We're still having our holidays for the summer and whatnot, the late summer holidays, etc. And you're talking about dark nights. Uh, they always associated dark nights with cold sort of thing. Well, I do, but I mean, I think autumn, you get that nice mix. So it, it may still be reasonably warm without it being too bitterly cold, isn't it? So, uh, you know, so yes, autumn equinox on the 23rd. Well, I'm also one of those people I'd much prefer. I much prefer the cold to the heat. So autumn's about the right. That's, autumn's the perfect time of year for me. It is. I do find, though, you t we tend to suffer a bit more in terms of mist and fog beginning to develop. And that can spoil the view. I mean, the, the other night I was supposed to have a clear sky. Looked out. They said, right, morning sky will be nice and clear. So I, I thought, right, I woke up and the whole sky was misted over completely, you know, and I, I just went, oh, mind you, I, I went back to bed. <laughs> that's, that's the easiest thing to do, isn't it? Yes, you can have some lovely crisp nights <laughs> and you can have some less good nights. <laughs> yes, the, the weather presenters are very good at saying yes, and tonight will be very clear. <laughs> and, and nine times out of ten, you can sort of look up. And as astronomers, we have a slightly def different definition of clear. <laughs> I mean, to, clear, to us, clear is clear. You know, not the slightest mm. hint of haze, but to them, if it, even if it's slightly hazy, oh, it's a nice clear night. And I'm thinking, no. But mm. there again, we're, we're very pernickety, aren't we, us astronomers as such? Anyway, let's finally finish off. We've got to remember that all week we've actually got a chance technically to see all the planets with the exception of Mars. There's always one, isn't there? There's always one that's awkward, but Mars is too close to the glare of the sun. It's still in the evening sky, technically, but it sets at the same time as the sun, so you can't actually see it. But all the other planets, and of course you've got the moon as well, and there is the minor planet Vesta. They're all up during the course of a night. And because we've got Mercury, I mean, that's the added bonus. That's the one we normally wait for, isn't it, sort of thing, that we have to wait for, because uh, it's the one that, you know, quickly comes up as a guy and then disappears again. So uh, it's often quite rare to get them all in one go. And I say, at the moment, we're missing Mars. But there is quite a parade. We start off with Saturn, sort of thing, low down in the evening, in the sort of morning sky. Uh, you get it before it sets, so about three o'clock, you know, you want to be seeing it. But you get Saturn, then you get Neptune, then you've got Jupiter, then Venus, and of course, they're not far from the Pleiades star cluster. Vesta is actually in the club, top end of the club of Orion, and it's about a similar brightness to uh, Neptune as well. So you can put binoculars on that and keep an eye on that. And then, of course, as we mentioned earlier, we've got Venus and then Mercury down low as well. So, you know, it's a good chance. You get also the winter sky. I mean, it always amazes me that sort of we tend to think of, sort of, oh, yes, we're in autumn now. But if we're in autumn, when you get into the late night, you've got the winter sky, about 5.45, I've set it. And Orion is nearly due south. You know, so Orion mm. is really well up. Sirius is up. But then that's why we've got the spring sky. And I always think this time of year, you almost get a full parade of the constellations of the seasons. So you've got the summer in the evening. Then it turns to autumn. So because we've still got the summer sky, but the moon's up at the moment. So it's 
it'll cause a bit of a problem. We've got summer constellations, then the autumn, then the winter late in the night, and then just rising, we've got the spring constellations. So you nearly get a full year's worth, a season's worth of the constellations. I think that's quite something. And you've got mm. a parade of planets. I mean, what more <laughs> do you want to end the week, eh? It certainly sounds like there's a lot of great things to look forward to. So thank you very much for taking us through those, Paul. It's a pleasure. And so to summarise, on the 18th of September, the slim crescent moon will be low in the western sky. Then on the 20th, Neptune reaches opposition. Uh, you can use the star 20th Piscium to be able to help locate that if you want to. Over the 20th and the 21st, the moon will pass across the star Antares. On the 27, Mercury is at its best for the year. It'll be up for around about an hour, possibly a bit more. And you can use Venus to track it if you want to be able to see it in the sky. On the 23rd, it's the autumn equinox, the day which signals when the nights are going to start getting nice and long and can take advantage of the fact that you'll be able to see some of the summer constellations and the winter constellations, as well as all of the normal autumn constellations over the course of the night. So that's a great opportunity to take advantage of that. And of course, throughout the week, you can see all of the planets except for Mars, who's hiding behind the sun, and even get the minor planet Vesta as well. So lots and lots of things to look out for in the night sky. If you want to find out what even more things that are coming up over the coming weeks, do subscribe to the podcast and we will hopefully see you back here next week. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky this month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for throughout the whole month. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes or neither, our sky guide has got you covered, with detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.